You're now listening to the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast, straight from the streets of Tokyo. And we ain't talking no sushi temples and shrines and shit, motherfuckers. Live from the streets of Tokyo, it's the Royal Urban Mobile Podcast. I'm Tokyo Cliff. Chocolate Buddha in the house. All right, we back with another episode. Yes, sir. We you have in the a, mobile man cave, baby. Yeah, we, we have a guest in the house. Um, mm-hmm. But before I introduce our guest, I'm going to give some long overdue shout outs. Shout out to Mega and Late of the Mega Late Show. Our homies, our fellow podcast homies. Uh, they got the number one hip hop podcast in Japan and Tokyo. Check them out. They're on SoundCloud. Um, follow them on Facebook and Instagram. That's the Mega... Also, they're on iTunes also, right? Yeah, yeah. Mega Late Show. That's right. And you was only two just recently, right? Bro? Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, they had me on recently. Uh, I did an episode. I wasn't... I was the... the What they call it? The guest host. So the focus wasn't on me, but... I was the guest there. host. I was yeah. on the third mic. And um, if you want to check out that episode, the name of that episode is called Bitch, I Got Flavors. Yeah, we got a guest. My brother, Owen Rogers, was good. What up, man? Thank you for having me. It's, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm excited. I'm loving it. I'm learning. I'm trying to live my best life. You know. Cool, cool. Yeah, Um. so we, we like to let our guests introduce themselves. So, you know, tell people a little bit about you, man. Cool, man. Uh, my name's Owen Rogers, born and raised Harlem, New York. Uh, went to Penn State, uh, did a bit of traveling, met my lovely girlfriend Morgan while I was at Penn State. She's uh, in the house, by the way. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Morgan. Hello. Go ahead, uh, shout yourself out, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I've been in Tokyo for about a year. Uh, at Penn State, I studied journalism. So I was doing journalism from junior high school. Like tail end of elementary school, even writing for my elementary newspaper. Okay. Um, I went and I covered the Republican convention back in 2000. I got an interview like Ralph Nader, Al Sharpton. I was doing a lot more political stuff. Gotcha. I was with a couple of youth journalism programs, so I was doing that. Um, then I went to Penn State, studied journalism. Uh, from there, you know, I brought my first camera from the school. Nice. Uh, they had like a loaning program, and then after every couple of semesters, they sold the cameras they had been lending. So I had a pretty dope camera that I got for for pennies. Um, and after that, I mean, I came back to New York, and it was really just about it was about trying to trying to do something, really trying to figure it all out. I knew I wanted to do journalism, just from I'm a man of Omega Sci-Fi. Okay. Um, when I went to college, I, I crossed there. Um, definitely had some perspective as far as the industry, and really, I think the underlying thing was access. You know, I realized I had a lot more access, and I could do a lot more than the average person. Mm. So it's really about how I could leverage that and put that into something. Um, and, you know, I was in New York, and I was going to like a lot of really cool events, a lot of really cool parties, a lot of really you know, dope and monumental concerts. 
And after a certain point, for me, I'm not gonna lie, it took about a year, maybe maybe a year and a half, where it was just like, this is really dope, this is really fun, but like, I don't want to just be someone taking up space. Like, what can I do to Got you. contribute to this ecosystem? I mean, if I'm gonna be here, what can I do to really, you know, make my presence here of value to someone? If it's not gonna be the people throwing the event, then it can be the people that one have been at the event and couldn't have been to it. Um, so from there, I did some blogging, gotcha. and then I was like, well, I got this camera, so I really started, I always had been someone that was taking pictures, but it was like, okay, what can I do to really kind of capture and chronicle the access that I have and the events I'm going to and give people an idea of what was going on, because, you know, my, my phrase is, I try to capture the contemporary urban experience. So what can I do to capture and chronicle that, mm. you know? So yes, there's a very deep, and I think, fixed hip-hop lens on a lot of the stuff that I do but you know I, I love art and as I tried to grow as an artist and tried to make my photography stand on its own as not only journalism and capturing moments but also also as you know its own aesthetic yeah then it's really delving into that art world and trying to understand galleries trying to understand who those players are and then from there you know saying oh this is interesting like right when I was doing it Art Basel went from being this thing that was a bunch of rich white people to being like one of the top three parties every year where you had again all these hip-hop artists that were coming down there and they were doing their own thing and Swiss Beats started to deal with Cardi so he has his own collection he's doing these crazy parties mm. Kanye's coming down there and every year you have a lot more you know urban and hip-hop influence that's really like hey we're gonna get into this art world um, the album cover mm. Kids See Ghosts was inspired by uh, what is his name Takashi Murakami. Murakami, yeah. I mean that, and this has always been mentioned as a, an aside when I've been reading articles about the album. But are you familiar with the artist? Yeah. Um, so I'm familiar with him. He he's really popular. Um, the artwork that he did for the Kids See Ghost art cover, I think it's cool, but it's it's interesting because it's very very different from any of the other stuff that he does. But it's pretty much the same. Um, image from his work right the the manji manji fuji is, is a work that he put out in the i forgot what year but it's, it's similar to some of the stuff that he kind of i think put his own twist on it with the direction of yeah. kanye and cuddy yeah but that is not his style his style is way more like um big eye like anime type yes. bubbly stuff so mm. this is much more of uh, like a traditional approach to artwork instead of like being the contemporary Japanese pop artist, which yeah. is like, he's the Japanese pop artist and a lot of the stuff that he does and the cool stuff that he did with Complex Khan and all of the artwork that they have there is much more um, contemporary. And he's like a big fan of Pharrell and the two of them were together. So when I saw that him and Kanye got together, I, I saw Kanye probably was like, okay, what's Pharrell getting into? Like, oh, that's the yeah. way. So like, gotcha, I mean, let me go gotcha. and follow this up. Right? And he, he also did graduation, the graduation cover, right? Kanye's album. Um, yeah. yeah, with the the bear, yeah. with the big eyes. That's much more his style. Okay. Um, gotcha. The stuff that's on the cover of um, Kids See Ghosts. Kids See Ghosts. But the Kids See Ghosts, I think, is cool and interesting. But I think it's probably indicative of the fact that you know, as Kanye is trying to pivot and take a different direction. He wants the same artist that was doing, you know, some of the more lighthearted stuff that was Kanye West the rapper and now follow him as he becomes 
Kanye West the artist. And, and, and Buddha and I talked about this earlier about the connection between uh, Japanese art, Asian art, and and urban culture. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Can you? Uh, for, for me, yeah, I, I think I think it goes, I think it goes like a lot of different ways. I think that um, because you know black folk in general have lived in relative isolation and Japanese people have lived in isolation as well. I think that there is a mutual uh, fetishizing that goes on. Yes, I, think that I agree. There's a lot of black people that just don't have interaction with Asian people at all. So mm. when they get the chance to be like, oh, like this is an Asian person, like they sometimes are holding it the same way that you have like a white person, or an Asian person. Like, that's my black friend. There's a lot of freaking <laughs> black people that's like, yeah. this is my Japanese friend. Like, oh, he, he began he, the manga like straight Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, he's dope. And I think that. So, like, what El Monte was. Yeah, yeah. We, to, we, we yeah. talked about that on a, on a previous episode with um, a young, inspiring filmmaker from Harlem. Al, Al Monte oh. Films. I don't know if you ever heard of him. You look him up. Jeffrey Al Monte, yeah. Yeah. Impressive. Very talented brother. He's working on a documentary right now um, about the relationships between Asian and blacks in the hood. Yeah. And and he's, he's, he's traveling the world a little bit. He came to Tokyo and did an episode with us. And he's trying to get an outside perspective of the, the relationship between Asian and blacks. Yeah. I think that that isolation that we both grew up in, I think the fact that when you had people of Asian descent, whether it be Japanese, Korean, Chinese, whatever, come to the States and try to pursue that dream, mm -hmm. the American dream, like they were oftentimes, you know, put in communities with us where mm. the struggles they had were similar. For me personally, I know that, you know, that wasn't really my story, but you know, I, I didn't have cable, I, you know, I was over here on, you know, basic television and public mm. access. And for me, I know, Dragon Ball Z came on and that, that was a show that like if you were talking about you know Rugrats or any other show you had to have cable for that Dragon Ball Z was coming on probably like 10 years after the original Dragon Ball Z had come on mm -hmm. in Japan but like it was on in the States and as like a six-year-old I could turn on Saturday morning cartoons and before it got to the point where you know they're playing like the generic stuff it was like oh we're gonna give you a couple hours of this and I think that was something that, for me, introduced that world to me. And then as I got older, as I got to like junior high school and high school, mm -hmm. like Toonami was a thing. And Adult Swim and Toonami, they really were like, hey, we're gonna bring all these Japanese cartoons yeah. into your household. And if you didn't have cable, you probably had a friend that you knew, like Adult Swim, like Adult Swim those great parties, they've done a lot of cool stuff especially once you got to like the boondocks years and even now like they're growing they've done some really cool stuff especially with animation especially with television programming hmm. they started from being an offset of toonami which was really just what can we do to bring japanese television shows dubbed in english to people here in the states gotcha. and that evolution is something that's cool and i think that you'll see you know there's still a lot of that influence in um Japanese in Adult Swim, but then you know even you look at Boondocks. Like mm -hmm. Boondocks is, you know, one of the best, uh, you know, contemporary 
criticisms or satires of the African-American experience. Mm -hmm. And that's done, you know, in the Japanese manga style or the anime style where he reached out wow. and got I never, these yeah. artists. Yeah, that, that's all they're doing. Their eyes, everything about them is wow. done in a way. And that's really cool that that's, you know, what's happening. Yes. And then, then I think she's trying to remind me, like, we, my girlfriend over here, she's like, oh, don't forget you mentioned. We, we went to Complex, uh, we went to... Um, comic-con here in um uh -huh. in japan which was like an interesting thing in and of itself but we went and we we loved the show that they just released on netflix with um with jaden smith and it's an anime show where mm -hmm. he plays um what's the name of the show neo yoko okay i think neo yoko neo yoko neo yokio neo yokio yokio so look look for it mm -hmm. we have this typhoon that's about to hit so if you're looking for some netflix recommendations but it's cool because it takes place in new york and it's done in the same like anime style but everything in there is just culturally the reference points are just all japanese and it's dubbed over and you have jaden smith who plays like this very like posh black Mm -hmm. wizard type character from like the affluent east side and his homies are like these the roles that they play if you have any love for um japanese you know anime mm -hmm. like you'll see that there's oftentimes you know, a bit of those characters and the roles you have to play and like great example was um uh was it ghost dog mm -hmm. with um yeah, yeah. forrest whitaker yeah. where you know, there's one scene where he's he's a ninja, black ninja, just like chilling in like you know the states, and he has the guy that he goes and he buys food from, and the guy is he's a comedic device. Like they don't speak the same language, and he's talking to him, and he's just like, I don't understand anything that you're saying, but like they're having a conversation while acknowledging that they're not at all speaking the same language. And a lot of like Japanese anime, you have devices like that, where you'll have like the drunkard, or you'll have whoever it is that would be like, okay, well, I'm gonna be here, and there's not actually gonna be any information that is exchanged, but we're still communicating. Mm. And like that sort of device and saying like, hey, we can take this and put it into an urban perspective. You know, and Ghost Dog is like mid 90s. So for you to see like, there's been times that mm. the African-American community has been like, yeah, we're, we're all about this. Like what's going on over there? Like, wow. yeah. let's get to it. And I think that it's blossoming now. There's another artist um, I follow on Instagram, Distorted. Have you seen her artwork? Yeah. Amazing. Uh, she's, she's dope. So, Distorted, uh, Santana, she's yeah, dope. Yeah, Santana. Um, I went to, I actually was one of the, um, the lead photographers for A3C in like 2014 or 13. But they had an art show, and I went there, and then, you know, she was there. She had her artwork all features like these big ass eyes that mm -hmm. are really dope yeah um, oh so my distorted distorted yes. yeah okay. um and she she's super dope and she had like a whole bunch of kanye west inspired art and i was like this is dope i i knew at that point like she was an artist to keep an eye out for and i yeah i got some dope pictures with her um, okay cool shout out to distorted it. shout out to santana santana um yeah okay so you know you you've I think creatively speaking, you live within the the art and fashion photography genres. And um, what, what are your, like some of your most biggest inspirations in, in either one, either genre? You can pick photography-wise or art or music. Or... 
Um, well, like, obviously we know Kanye is. A, yeah, for sure yeah. Kanye. Um, just because you know he's he's someone that hasn't been boxed in and like has always tried to like rebel against that. That I appreciate. Uh, I really appreciate. Yeah, that's what I love about most. him. I think yeah. that that's what he loves about him. I think that that's part of the biggest problem with people like really being like hurt, like not even upset, but hurt about him and Trump is that just like. He looks at Trump and like he looks at Trump the same way we we look at him, and he's like, "Yo, this is a guy that like shouldn't have been president." Everybody told him he shouldn't have been president, but he was like, "I'm not listening to that mess. I'm yeah. the president." And he looks at that, he's just like, "That's the shit that I'm trying to do." And like as a disruptor, like that's what he's attracted to. Yeah. And he, for whatever reason, he distances like the policies from you know mm. the process and the journey in Trump getting there, but. That journey is the Cinderella story that Kanye wants for himself, and that's yeah. why he's all about it. And you know, I think I want that for myself as well. So, I, how about like uh, other? Um, outside uh, of that, I'm for photography is definitely interesting because there's so many dope photographers. But um, for me personally, mm -hmm. you know, you just you tell the line from like being someone that's just like, oh, like this is you know a great inspiration to being like. That nigga's my peer. Like I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not even gonna <laughs> yeah, yeah, there. yeah, yeah. I can you do know? this shit too. And, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. But there, there are definitely some dope people that are out there before. Um, there's an artist, our photographer artist, um, Jess Learman. She's dope. Okay. Um, she has a picture of um, of Kendrick Lamar that she took maybe like five, six years ago, and it's like he's sitting down in his dressing room and she like gets the reflection off the mirror and it's a dope image and you know i kind of had seen her around there's a bunch of people that i've been in different you know uh camera pits in different concerts with before and you like see them but then like we actually check out their work You're like oh this person's dope and she's now she's doing like rolling stone like some some really dope stuff that i'm just like i love her artwork i love her journey and she's one of the people that inspired me honestly because I was having all this access and I was doing much more of just um, capturing, you know, concerts, capturing artists. And yeah, you're she, taking a lot of pictures of mm -hmm. artists. Yeah, a, a lot. And, you know, she inspired me and my good friend and one of my business partners, Pierre, he was one of the people that said, like, you need to be capturing more of the scene and mm -hmm. less of like that event so mm. instead of being the person that's like i'm gonna capture this person on stage like you need to be the person's like i'm capturing this artist like get them backstage get them in like a setting that's like not everybody can get this shot like you got this shot and like that was a huge part of my artistry and like i think a lot of people do it where it went from the transition from you know being just uh, a tool of content capture to establishing the portraiture and being like what can i do to tell this story of this artist at this moment mm -hmm. um and then you know johnny nunez he's another dope photographer uh mel d cole he's another one that he's dope uh nomad um nomad nyc if you want to follow him he's dope he's definitely been someone that's been a mentor to me um growing up uh my my homie clockwork crosby uh he he's dope he he does different art pieces. Uh, he did an art show out here that I was able to work with him. Mm. We've collaborated a couple of times, but he's like a New York City LES OG, and gotcha. he's someone that for me I've been able to experience 
his journey and his growth as an artist and he's someone that's just like no i'm an artist like i'm not doing anything else like, i'm doing this and really seeing how he interacts with his audience on social media mm -hmm. and you know the invisible steps that he does between like when you see him or between when he posts something mm -hmm. and like what he's actually doing to hustle between that and the next post or in between the next shows you're just like oh like he has a show uh now he's in la having another show you're like oh he's so dope and then like when you actually understand like oh like the shit that he did in between that and mm -hmm. the calls and the making sure that you like that sort of stuff he gave me like a real insight on like this is what if you want to be an artist and you want to hustle as an artist mm -hmm. you're you're going to be doing this and he's dope he works with swiss beats a lot um okay. so he's introduced me to swiss and like had that group my homie uh Bijan, he he's dope really great artist um he does like mixed media my homie pierre also he he does some street art but he has a plug outlet that if you see it it's gonna be all over the world but it's definitely gotcha. all over new york and like paris a bunch of people a bunch of places but um i have a lot of people that i've been fortunate enough to mm. interact with um, you know, and then every day my girlfriend Morgan, she just inspires me. She, she pushes me That's to, what's up. To, to newer heights. That's your queen, That's brother. Up. Your queen. My queen, my my consultant, my biggest advocate, my you know, my my everything. And I appreciate her. She keeps, keeps the me. brother in check. She does. And mm -hmm. sometimes I I I'll be on my Kanye shit. Well, I have. <laughs> he said more than Kanye. Shit. Oh shit! I'll, I'll have my head in, this, in the sky and like she'll be like, yeah, you need. Come, come here. Like, come down. Come down. You need to know people are going to be looking at your shit like this if you do that. Like, all, right, all right. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. She gives you that look. And she's a Kanye fan too. And she's one of the people that really like stresses to me. Like, because like, I'm not a huge Kim K fan, but she's like, boy, if you don't know what this girl does for him, like, if you think he's that now, like, if she wasn't in the picture, he'd probably be even worse. And, like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, by but, the way, but, any uh, Japanese photographers that you've yeah, like? So, great question. Uh, my homie <laughs> Susumu, he, he's he's dope. Um, oh. I actually went to an art show with him and my homie Darius yesterday. We went to an art show for this artist, uh, Erica Ward. Susumu, he's a dope. He's a surfer. He does a lot of fashion photography. He does a lot of cool stuff. Um, and he just was like, oh, come to the show. So, he went to the show, checked that out. And he's all right. Let's go back to my house, grab some beers, and you know he's you know in, in his thirties, Japanese guy. Like he drove us from the art show to his crib, and it was like a twenty-five minute drive, and we're just cruising through Tokyo, blasting uh, Playboy Cardi, and it's just funny as fuck to have like these two black guys and this guy just driving. And he's yeah. like, I really like the new Playboy Cardi. I'm just like, all right, <laughs> bump that shit. So we're just driving through, but he's really dope. Um, cool. I met him at a show also in Ebisu uh, for this artist named Hal. Uh, and Hal's really, he, he lived in LA for or San Francisco and he did like some cool stuff. Um, it's like what you see, what you feel, I think is the name of his show, but um, he's dope. Um, Susumu's dope, but yeah, there, there's there's a lot. Um, I mean, it's plenty. Lot, I mean, I'm pretty yeah. sure you. How can... about an old school photographer uh, that I, I I follow a lot of his work is uh, Nobuyoshi Araki. Have you ever heard of him? I have not. What kind of stuff does he shoot? Oh, uh, he shoots a lot of erotic photography. He just and he's known around the world. So just check out some of his stuff because I go I went to a, a couple of his exhibitions and you know he's 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 off the chain. The coolest person I know is uh, the OG. Uh, 
Yon Haru. He he's like he's been doing some cool stuff. He's really big in Asia, like in China, but mm. he, he does some cool stuff here. But yeah, man, I think that's also like part of the like allure of um, what is Japan. It's like mm-hmm. that forbidden fruit and just the repressed society that you yes. can have like the eroticism and all this stuff that's that, no like, more Yoshi Araki-san. yeah so we, we, we talked a lot about um, you know um, photography art so let's talk about you know before we get out of here let's talk about on one collective I really wanted to talk with you about that For sure. tell everybody tell our audience what on one collective is so uh, when I when I first came here I really just wanted to hit the ground running and I wanted to be able to I uh, pick up where I left off in New York and you know after a couple of weeks or months it became clear to me that I was going to have to do more building and cultivating of the scene than mm-hmm. I was going to be able to just capture it mm-hmm. so once I kind of had to take a step back and say okay well now instead of being someone that's kind of just you know capture the scene and be a part of it I mm-hmm. got to be more instrumental in creating it gotcha. and you know as being as big of a city as Tokyo is I wasn't coming into it thinking that that seemed to be you know underdeveloped but you know for a lot of reasons I think largely just because of how people are socially conditioned mm-hmm. like they don't interact in the ways that was familiar to me and interact to me in ways that are beneficial to me in terms of how I can maneuver and how I can exploit it so in doing that I created um, Tokyo fam which uh, I created in October. Uh, we had our first event, which was, um, and it was in uh, a gallery called Factory. And Tokyo Fam stands for Fashion, Art, and Music. And we feature a designer, we feature visual artists and musicians at all the events. Mm. Um, so I've been working with that and trying to establish that as an entity. Okay. Um, and from doing that, I did another show in March for Fashion Week again with uh, my good homie Shinji mm. and um, he, he was dope, really young dude. He has shirts that say, uh, please don't throw my love away. He's like a whole bio I met him, I met him at the On One yeah. Collective. So event. he's dope, that's yeah. like my right hand man. Okay. Uh, so Tokyo fam is <laughs> myself, him and this very talented uh, gallerist and art world maven named uh, Mary so the three of us are Tokyo fam got you uh, so I created that and I brought them on board uh-huh. and then we had an art show in April mm-hmm. which was art in Shintora and on a Thursday night we packed out this gallery and we had a bunch of artists who were at the Visionary Collective and we had some artists from all over the world mm-hmm. and so that was really dope and from doing that we had some people that were just like this is what you're doing like you know, at that point we had a little bit of momentum. They're mm-hmm. like, "Okay, that's what you're doing." One of the people was this guy named Jimmy from Edge of, and he was like, "I love this. Edge of uh, has like the backing from the family that created SoftBank, so they just started." Oh, okay. So I'm con- I'm connecting it all now because yeah, I, so, I met Jimmy as well, right? Yeah. At On One yeah. Collective. Shout out to Jimmy. Shout out to Jimmy. So there's a there's a an eight story building that they have over there, mm-hmm. and he basically was like, "Hey, this building." It has a lot of purposes, but it also is relatively, like, doesn't have a direction. So what do you have that you can bring to this table? And mm-hmm. how can we use what you're building in order to make this place culturally relevant? Because I think from a different world, from, like, the salaryman, from, like, a lot of the higher-ups, 
they were like, this building is dope. They already know like the names of the people involved with it. Yeah. And that's cool. But in terms of like making it a part of the culture here in Tokyo, they mm. kind of wanted to reach out to someone that was already doing that footwork of saying, hey, what can we do to mobilize and engage young people? So from that, after him coming to Art and Centura, he was like, hey, like, we, we want to do this. Like, let's partner. So the All One Collective was born with that. Okay. And so from every month, we're doing an event, um, which On One Collective is you know, Tokyo Fam and Edge of. So okay. myself and Jimmy and Mary and Shunji, we're all, you know, going around brainstorming different ways to use that facility creatively and engage and really, we're trying to do something really big, special that we got in the works for, for Fashion Week in October. Nice. So, all these events that we're doing mm -hmm. are just different case studies and different ways for us to experiment and try to distill what we want to do. And then come October, we're going to do something real special and it's going to be real cool. But we're just trying to feature different fashion, different designers, different visual artists, and we're always going to always going to change it up okay. so if you guys are free stop by uh the website is on dash the number one dot io um, you can check out that website or check out on with the number one uh collective on instagram yes. tokyo fam on instagram mine is i am owen rogers on instagram um so check all that up stay up to date we like to do a nice mix of you know, global people and then, you know, some real, like, Japanese natives. Mm -hmm. um, also, since I'm plugging stuff, check out my clothing line, uh, 88 Threads. I make different shirts. A lot of them 808 Threads, okay. 88. So oh, 88, 88 Threads. I make 88 of each shirt. Uh, this is my Chalice Gambino shirt, so they're all numbered Dope. out of 88. I, I gotta um, get one of those. Then. Yeah, man. So, uh, we had a couple of fashion shows with that, but I'm really just trying to do... There's so many creatives here, and I think yes. that... You know, part of the reason why I love Kanye versus someone like Pusher T is I think that Kanye with age has decided, like, I am not going to, I'm not going to specify. Pusher T is someone that's like, as I get older, I'm going to double down. He took the Jay-Z route. He's like, I'm going to do cocaine music. That's me. Kanye is someone, like, some of the dopest tracks that he has, like, like to your point and your point about jazz, like, I forget the track that he has on Kids See Ghosts. He's just scatting on that. Like, it's low-key, it's bars, but he's just, like, yeah. giving you sounds. It's, it's a step beyond ad-libs, but he's just like, but, but, uh, skip yeah. And he's doing it, and, like... Kind of reminded me of, um, what's my man, Big Shaq? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about that when I heard that. <laughs> and I think... Man's I, not hot. Man's not hot. Shout out to Big Shaq. Shout out to Big Shaq. Uh, shout out to whole grime scene, Skepta, all those people in London folk. Yeah, shout out to all the people in London listening to us right now, keeping it raw and urban. Yeah. Um, yes. shout, out, shout, out, shout out everybody. Shout listening. out to House Not House. House you not know House. what I mean? Um, out yeah. of Tokyo, but from London. Shout out to my boys, Frankie and Dom. I think that the way for the younger people who, like, I'm desperately trying to hold on to, that I'm, I'm already starting to get into that, you know, grown man folk bracket. But I think the wave is just, like, not being defined and trying to do as many different things as possible. And I think that... In doing that and realizing that that was the community that I'm trying to service, I know that all these rappers, they do merch, all right? So you might be a rapper, but you have your hands in fashion. All these people that do art, like they probably do some fashion on the side or they do some kind of music or do some, and yeah. it's all just really connected. And if you understand that like 
if you have one person that's doing this, mm-hmm. they probably have their hands in three or four other things because of the way that, you know, the world is now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, those people, if you can do something that's going to say, hey, you don't have to feel limited by saying, oh, you're going to an art show, like, what are you going to do? Is it going to be like a museum? Like, I'm going to an art show, but it's a concert. I'm going to a fashion show, but it's an art show. And, like, just having it just be like, fuck your label. It's like, come, if you're about interacting if you're about turning up if you're about litness if you're about letting owen's curation guide you into having a good night then you know come fuck with us and we got on one collective doing some cool stuff uh, working on some some cool music series that we're going to be doing with um with tokyo fam and you know i think you know I'm, i'm always down to collaborate always down to talk always down to do whatever Cool. And shout out to you guys. Really appreciate you guys for having me. Oh, we appreciate y'all yeah. for coming, my yeah. brother. Thanks yeah. for coming on, brother. Yes, sir. Yeah. And you know, I, I just love the way, you know, I can tell that you're inspired by Kanye because Kanye, you know, and I, I, I've listened to some of his interviews. He don't care about limits. He say, hey, why, why does Versace? Why can't I be a Versace? Why can't you be? You know, so I think that if more people get that mindset, you know, uh, and understand that they are limited. And just to break out of that shell, I think the world would be a great place, man, because... I 100% agree. I, I hope that I can play the role of legitimizing some of those dreams and trying to connect the dots between the naysayers and the dreamers. Mm. Because I think that, like you said, there are a lot of people that are inspired by Kanye, are inspired by this idea of, like, what are those limits? But a lot of those people are not the people that are refined enough to be able to execute on those dreams. Exactly. So right, if right. I can help be, like... Okay, well, I'm going to be a dreamer, but I'm also someone that has the practical approach. And if not for me, then for the people that come after me to be able to say, you know, shit, like, we really need to do this because, you know, in in our heads, we know we're doing all this stuff. And it's crazy. Like, you know, there's so many young kids that, you know, they're, they're making their music. They're already 10, 15, 100,000 followers on Instagram, on YouTube. They're already experts at Photoshop, already experts at, you know, Final mm. Cut. Like, they're doing so much stuff, but mm. it's regular to them. And, like, because it's regular to them, they don't understand, like, what that is. Yeah. So when they have these dreams, they just say, oh, I, I could be the next, you know, Gordon Parks meets the next Spike Jones meets the next, mm. you know, Lil Yachty. You're like, what are you talking about? And then when you actually sit down and talk to these people, like, Oh, like you actually are out here editing your own videos. You actually are out here making like you could be the next motherfucker to do that shit. But yeah. when you say that and you saying it from a way that either is or can be perceived as arrogance or as like mm. this person is just talking because he sees that people are coming up real quick and like has this sense of entitlement that like, you know, the generations like right before me are all about like, yo, and Japan is 100 percent all about follow the rules you'll get there in time and like the young generation is fuck the rules like we'll get there when we want to get there and that shit is abrasive to a lot of people because people are like yo we paid our dues and you're coming in here not trying to pay our dues and on some level they feel like that cheapens everything that they've done Mm. and you know is there room for both maybe I, i think that either way the people that aren't gonna try to pay their dues are gonna have more time on their hands so you gotta be able to understand that so even if it's like okay you're going to keep them on the fringes they're still going to be gaining that experience still gaining the momentum and then once they have paid their dues while not trying to pay their dues 
they're gonna be way more popping than you are and that's why you have these people like like logic like these artists that have done stuff independently and like you might say oh you haven't done stuff but they're like no we did like five six years of doing stuff outside the system and then when we came into the system we went platinum and then you're mad at us because we weren't trying to do this whole label grind is like mm. no like you didn't let me into the system i didn't stop i kept doing it outside the matrix and then once i came into the matrix i was already stopping bullets no, like, let's what think are you about talking it. about yeah like, let's think about it. it that's their form of paying dues so you know paying dues isn't limited to having to, to uh say hey i have to go through this 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 and this they're already doing it and they're doing it their way and if it's working out then maybe the older heads ought to learn from the younger heads well, i you think know that a lot of these people like you're right but it's not their form of doing it because that's not what they're trying to do they're being marginalized into having that done to them so like it's not like they went into it like okay we're gonna spend six years doing this it's that they were like yo let me get in now and they for six years had people stiff on them mm -hmm. and so like if and you're getting more people now like young baby like um, Takashi 69 that they're not getting that six year stiff so they're getting in boom when they're hot right now and then all of a sudden it's just like oh but think about how many people like if they would have had that initial interaction with mm -hmm. the world if they would have understood how they could pop off of YouTube or how they could leverage Instagram which might not have been a real thing when they were starting their like professional career mm. like for me like big sean is that dude when i was in college big sean was touring big sean was mr i'll be on your campus handing you a mixtape finally famous one finally famous two boom 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 mm. if big sean had been on instagram if big sean had been using youtube big sean could have been something completely different than his journey and his journey you know definitely made him who he is but he was also one of those people like you said his foreign pain dues not because that's what he wanted but because he just didn't have any other entry points and mm -hmm. ended up with him being someone that was a pretty seasoned you know tour rapper early on in his career because he was doing the college circuits for years and then was able to be like okay now i got big bro behind me mm. now you're actually gonna listen absolutely all right man hit us Hit the audience with the social media plugs so we get yeah, out of here. Just to remind everyone, if you enjoy the Raw Urban Mobile podcast, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks for the love and thanks for having y'all here. Yeah, we also on Castbox. Uh, if you want to listen to us yep, on Castbox, Cast yeah, we're we're so uh, word. yes. Thank the brother Owen Rogers for coming through. Shout out to you guys. All right, um, thank you. We out. Raw Urban Mobile podcast. Peace.